what's going on everybody it's been two months since you last heard my beautiful voice as always i am your host devin primrose we're doing this for the usfl it's here it's time and i have an exciting announcement i am not joined by blake for this but i am joined by my good buddy peter strauss what is going on man hey that's me that is you <laughs> That's awesome. How you, how you doing, man? Good. I'm doing great. I miss Blake, but that's fine. <laughs> yeah, well, Blake, Blake, you know, for whatever reason, doesn't want to uh, cover a spring football league. And, you know, I get that. Like, it's it's more time you got to invest in stuff. And he's got a family and kids and all that, so. Yeah, he's he's got kids. I guess we'll give him a pass this time. Yeah, he's, he's the old family once. man. He's the old family man. Just this once, but, uh, but I am pumped to talk about football in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, I'm man. I'm, yeah, I'm happy to have you have you on as a part of it. I'm glad that we're able to do this. I'm I'm glad we're getting a spring football league. Honestly, I mean, like I've been this is something I've been wanting for a long time. I've thought that there was a big need for a developmental league in uh, for for the NFL uh, and. Two years ago, there was the AAF, which that was like I followed that pretty much the entire time it was around, and I thought that it was going to be fantastic. Wait, that was three years ago, actually three years ago, twenty nineteen. Um, and I thought it was going to be say, fa- yeah, because XFL was two years ago, right? I thought it was going to be fantastic, but there was a lot of poor business decisions made, uh, ultimately ending with with the league, you know, filing bankruptcy. And being sold off and whatnot, and it was disappointing. But we got the announcement of the XFL, uh, and the XFL came about, and it was going great. I think you followed the XFL just as much as I did. Um, I think we yeah, were doing we, a fantasy league for it. Yeah, it was like it's kind of like this, where it's like I don't know any of these players, but hey, this team sounds right. cool. So yeah. this is what I'm going with. Yeah, and the games were like the games. In my opinion, the gameplay of the XFL was better than the AAF. The uh, like the play on the field was better. The stadium environment was was better. They were selling out some stadiums, selling out stadiums for a spring football league. That's huge. Uh, but unfortunately, just like what happened to every other sports league at the time, COVID hit and shut everything down, and the world stopped as we knew it. Uh, and I think that. I think Vince McMahon got a little scared of what the future landscape of sports would look like uh, and didn't know how or when the XFL would be able to continue, and he just backed out. And I can't he entirely was, blame him. He was still the owner? He was at the time, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I did not know uh, that. And, and surprisingly, it was going very well for him being the owner. Um but I I hate that that he pulled the plug on it, and it's you know it's since been sold to the Rock, and it's coming back next year, and we'll see how that works out. If the USFL is successful, and those two are are operating at the same time, that could get very interesting, uh, especially for the the player pool that they have to pull from. Um, but this year we finally have another try. We have the USFL. And I'm excited, man. I'm excited. The USFL 2.0. <laughs> right. It looks super promising. I know there's 
a bunch of XFL guys coming back. There's a few like former guys from the NFL that I don't think really got a chance to shine. Uh, and hopefully this is their place to, I mean, we're here for good football and less. What's the word I'm looking for? Bureaucracy. That is the NFL. Like, I feel like the USFL yeah, is just going to be good old fashioned, fun football. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, I, I mean, I'm, Personally, I'm just I'm excited about there being a developmental league, which call it whatever you want. That's essentially what this is for for the NFL. These guys are all playing with the intentions of making it to the NFL. Uh, a handful of these guys have been there. They bounced around teams, whatever. Uh, it just didn't work out. But they're that's what they're doing. That's the end goal. I think if you ask any one of these players what their end goal is. It's to play in the NFL as a starter, whatever. Uh, and so this gives them that chance to get some film on them, um, give them more developmental reps that you would get in practice or on a practice squad for the NFL, but it's more meaningful because you're actually doing it in a game. Uh, so I, I just, it's crazy that every other league has something. You look at the NBA, the NBA has the G League, where guys that are late draft picks or undrafted, they can get signed by teams and develop down there, and some of them come up and become stars. A, a big one that I think most NBA fans' names recognize is, is Lou Dort for the Oklahoma City Thunder. He's probably their second or third best player, and he went undrafted and came up from, from the G League. So clearly, like it does good for the NBA, you have the minor leagues in baseball where every player goes through. No player goes straight from the draft and starts playing baseball in the major leagues right away. They all go down and play AA, AAA. Like, why the NFL hasn't done something like, like this is beyond me. Yeah, that's the only reason I can think of is because college football itself is so immensely big, but they also can't try out different rules in the NCAA. The NCAA is super strict on that kind of stuff like right. getting yeah, anything yeah. done same way as the nfl like getting anything done and that organization takes such a long time and such a lot of effort but now like the usfl and the nfl have already reached an agreement where the nfl is like hey like will you try these rules out for us essentially and that kind of stuff sorry not only new rules but new technologies as well which we will definitely get into because there's one i'm in particular i'm hyped about um, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, let's 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 hop right into it, man. I mean, there, like you mentioned, there are a bunch of of new and exciting changes that the USFL is bringing. Uh, hopefully, some of them work out. Some of them sound a little crazy, so we'll see how we'll see how it goes. Uh, but let's let's hop into it, man. What, like, if you had to point to one that you're most excited about, which which rule change are you looking forward to the most? Uh oh, rule change. Um, I like the idea of not having to do an onside kick. Like, yes, the rule is essentially yes. you can still do an onside kick if you want to, or what is it? Fourth and 15 from the 25. And it's like, if uh, you make it, if you make it, you get there. If not, uh, if not, then they get the ball at wherever, you know, the place. Yes. Stopped at, so. so, so it's a fourth and 12 play from their own 33 yard line. And so if you make it, you keep the ball. If you don't, it's turned over on downs right there. And that's something that has been 
uh, suggested for the NFL for a while. I believe, I'm trying to think, there was either the AAF or the XFL had this rule. Um, I can't remember which one, but it, it was it was talked about at that point too. And I think this is a great rule. Uh, this is something that NFL should absolutely adopt because the the uh, the onside kick is terrible right now. It's awful. Nobody nobody ever converts. I mean, maybe once a year you have some team that shocks the world and converts an onside kick, but it rarely happens. And like, it's so difficult to accomplish. A fourth and twelve play sounds very difficult, but crazy things happen in, in football all the time. Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> as controversial as this game was, I got a point to behind me. But the NFL, like, you can get down <laughs> if you need to get down the field, and you have the drive, you can get down the field. So if you're, uh, if you are, what's it called? If you are in a position where it's like this is win or lose, then you can make a, a fourth and twelve. It's one play. It's just one play. And I know for a fact if this was in the NFL, Brandon Staley would be making this decision every single kickoff. <laughs> Not even just in the fourth quarter, every single yeah. kickoff. For sure. Um No, but like because I onside kicks, they're only fun to watch if the other team gets it. Like, uh, what was it, two years ago when the Cowboys played the Falcons on, like, the first big comeback of, uh, like, the first big, I guess, choke job from the Falcons that year, because there were a lot. Right. But that, like, little helicopter kick, like, that the Cowboys did against the Falcons win that game, like, that was incredible. Um, yeah, I mean, it's always fun to see. It just never... Like, it very rarely happens. But very only, rarely works out. Only when it works. Literally, the only onside right. kicks I remember are that one and when the Saints kicked one at the start of the second half in the Super And Was it the playoffs or the Super Bowl? I can't remember. Oh, uh, it was, was the Super Bowl. That was in the Super yeah. Bowl. Um, yeah, that was uh, the Saints against the Colts. Yeah. Yeah, that was a very Those ballsy are... move, but it worked. <laughs> literally the only two I remember. Like, and right. besides that, onside kicks are. They're not fun. So let them run a play. Let your offense, your special teams shouldn't be there to win games. Your special teams should just be there to not lose. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> special teams should not determine the outcome of the game. <laughs> I said I mean, to not lose, which means they have to do something. <laughs> they have to I put in some effort, like putting all of their players on the field for the final play of the game. Right. Honestly, I think I might be most excited for the ability to score three points after getting a touchdown. They're implementing oh, yeah. a new a new three point try. Um, so basically, you have the option to either go for your one point point after. You can do a two point conversion from the two yard line, or you can do a three point conversion from the ten yard line, which is. Amazing. I, I like this changes everything. If you're down by 18 points, it's still only a two a two possession game, which is crazy. Um I think that a lot of teams like like you I think a a Brandon Staley type guy would go for it all the time on three points just because of you know 
data and statistics or whatever. <laughs> um, but I think I think that like you're gonna have some teams that, especially if you score first and score quick, I think why not go for three? Because if you can get it, like you put yourself up ahead that much more, you know. Right, and it also brings a little bit more like on the other side where if you're just getting three points to get three points, it's like, well, that that doesn't have like if you're kicking a regular field goal, you go down the field, they stop you, you're not Brandon Staley, and you decide to kick a field goal. Uh, <laughs> like those three points are a lot easier to catch now. Like right. you can't you can't give yourself a comfortable lead with like just field goals. Like you have to get like touchdowns. Even if you just go for one or go for two, like like you don't have to take that risk every single time, but you have to get a touchdown. It makes you take that risk at least to get a touchdown, I think. For sure, for sure. Overtime. Overtime they're doing differently. Thank God. Overtime's yeah, the only so NFL just changed its overtime rule for the playoffs. Hooray. Um where both teams for sure get a possession of the ball. Um, I like how you say hooray as if Buffalo wouldn't have killed Kansas City if they got a chance with the ball. Listen, this is not an NFL podcast, sir. <laughs> no, but I mean, yeah, they it would have literally that fourth quarter would have just kept going until uh, one of them died of old age. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who would have gone first. Mahomes doesn't seem like as like he, he does a little jog. So he, he might he seems a little bit more old lady ish. So maybe he would have cracked first, but that game might have never ended if yeah, the overtime I mean, rules not, and the playoffs were what they are now. Um, you're not wrong. <laughs> but the overtime rule for the USFL also kind of fixes this problem. Um, yeah, I, I did. I wrote it down for or typed it out. Uh, USFL overtimes will feature a best of three scoring format where each offense will get the ball at the opponent's two yard line. If the two teams are still tied after three attempts, overtime will go into sudden death, which kind of is how college works in the sense that it is a shootout, except college just goes farther back after a certain amount of time. Or no, they they start at the 25 and get closer and go to two-point conversions. Um, Whereas USFL is just like, you're just doing two-yard line every single time until somebody fails. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's 25 is where you start in college, and it's back and forth. Uh, And then it, it, they force you to go for two if you score a touchdown after I think double or triple overtime, something like that. Yeah. But which I mean, I think I've always thought that was a that would be a great rule for the NFL to adopt. Um and I think if if you see something like this working in the USFL and you're the NFL, why would you not at least you know talk about adding it in? Yeah, it's they're very weird about adopting college rules, but now that they have the USFL, I think they can like okay, this is a step towards that. Like it's the two right. yard line every time, sure, but two point conversions are fun. So, oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's why Brandon yeah. Staley is my favorite coach. <laughs> <laughs> him and uh, him and Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll so, take some uh, pressure off of Staley there. <laughs> So the only other like big big rule change is uh they're doing two forward passes. So technically as long as the first throw is behind the line of scrimmage, you can have two forward passes. 
um, which is, you know, the NFL is, is similar in the sense that you can pass behind the line of scrimmage. It has to be going backwards. Ball can't be traveling forwards. Uh, right. But this is, this I mean, it's, it's cool. The, there's going to be teams that adopt this and, and, and you know, add some trickeration to their playbook um, with this with this rule. And I think it'll be fun to see. You should yeah, see you some, could, some, some you good trick plays. go into shotgun formation and throw it to somebody right on the line. And if they're running up and they don't see a gap, they can throw it again as opposed to just, right. you know, taking the tackle or whatever. Yeah, so I think absolutely. that's something that I don't know how useful it would be unless it's like a real like trick play. But I think as an in the moment, like decision making thing, if players can get used to being able to do that. And I think yeah. that'll be super cool to watch. It's like the double punt. Like whenever, <laughs> like that kind yeah. of situation where like no punter means to punt twice. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, outside of that, outside of that, there's some new technology though, right? Yeah. I had one more rule that I wrote down, which okay. does it doesn't seem like a huge deal, but I think it'll affect time management a lot. Um, which is uh, basically in the final two minutes of the second and fourth quarters, after you get a first down, the clock stops automatically. Uh, Which means you can't just, like, after two minutes, you can't just do three kneels. You have to get first downs. It makes you play, and you have to play smart. So I think that's something a little interesting. The game's, like, not over at a minute or whatever, 40 seconds. Right. And then uh, the new the new technology. I think you did some research on that, right? The new technology. I only wrote down a couple things. Okay. Um, we'll go with the interesting one, and then we'll go with the hype one. Uh, okay. The interesting one to me is that they're using digital first down technology. I don't know exactly how it works, but, like, all I saw was literally just a small video of, like, hey, like, this is how we're doing first downs, and it's, like, a camera, and then it pans to, like, a digital image in the booth, and it's, like, nope, you're short. And so I'm... Yes. I think that's got to be similar to, like, how they determine if a ball's in play uh, in tennis. If you watch any, which I'm sure that most of our audience uh, does not watch tennis, but I actually enjoy tennis. Uh, it's fun to watch. It's you just you got to you got to watch one good match and you'll be hooked. That's all it takes. Uh, but if you watch any tennis tournament on TV, uh, if there's if there's any kind of question as to whether or not the ball was in or out, they do the same thing where it's like it's pretty much it's digitally done, and they show a screen and it shows where the ball landed. Uh, and where the line is, and if it was in or out, and I think this looks very similar to that. Right? Yeah, it was. It was super hard to tell. Like, to be honest, it was a TikTok that I saw. I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. I'll save this. Yeah. We'll talk about this later, but yeah, it'll um, be interesting to see how it's how it is in game. Like, if the game still flows well, if it doesn't cause any problems and whatever, you know. Well, I'm more curious, too, if it's more accurate than just using uh, line judges. Because I, mean, I, I always would, thought... I would bet that it is. I always thought it was kind of sketch, where it's just like, yeah, I'm a referee, and this is where I say where the ball is. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah this this seems right. I, this is about right. Like, we're going to go with this. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm all for more technology helping out in, in areas like that, for sure. 
Yeah, I mean, it helps me. I'm a tech guy, so. <laughs> Secure is my future. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> the, on- the only other thing I wrote down for technology, which is, like, why are we not already doing this, is helmet yeah. cams. Give us that first-person yeah. view of, you know, like... Could you imagine certain games like Aaron Rodgers on his Hail, Hail Marys, like seeing that from his perspective or being yeah. Derrick Henry and just watching all those like stiff arms? Like this is another <laughs> one that the, I, I think it was the XFL that uh, played around with helmet cam some. Uh, but yeah, I'm very excited for those to be coming back. I think it's it's awesome to be able to see things like you said, from the player's perspective, if you can see what the quarterback sees on you know a, a 40 yard bomb how awesome is that you know yeah like did he actually see someone there or was he actually praying like <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i think honestly on some of roger's throws i think he's saying a quick little prayer back there <laughs> Devontae's with my home somewhere <laughs> Same with Mahomes on some of those. Like I feel like Mahomes just chucks it up sometimes and prays that Tyreek oh. or, or or Kelsey just just finds the ball. He does, and that's and it was a problem because uh defenses figured out how to counter the random throw. And so they're like, You gotta throw it underneath sometimes, Pat. You can't just chuck it. Like, <laughs> come on. Oh man. Well now that we've discussed the new and exciting, you know, different ways that, that the USFL will look. Let's jump into these teams, man. Let's talk about what teams we're getting. Ooh. Uh, there's there's going to be eight teams, two divisions, uh, so four teams per, per division. And I think yeah. it's four teams make the playoffs. Is that right? Yeah, so there's the North and the South. This is the Civil War all over again. Yeah, um, the playoffs are the top two teams from each uh, division conference, whatever they're calling it. Right. Um, and then it's just a playoff tournament. You know, number two plays number one, and then the two winners meet on championship day. Gotcha. So <laughs> in the in the north, we have the Philadelphia Stars, the Michigan Panthers, the New Jersey Generals. And the Pittsburgh Maulers, which is a really weird name to say and really weird name for a team, in my opinion. Yeah, they're they're <laughs> my. I think they are my least favorite team. Of uh, uh, they of definitely have here. the worst colors and the worst jerseys for sure, <laughs> hands down. And I'm not saying that just because I'm um a South Carolina Gamecocks fan, and they have, for whatever reason, adopted the awful orange and purple that Clemson has, but it's pretty bad. It's pretty terrible. But we can jump into the teams in, in a second. In the South, we have the Birmingham Stallions, the Houston Gamblers, and the New Orleans Breakers, and the Tampa Bay Bandits. Obviously, we haven't seen any teams actually play yet, but are, are you a fan of any team yet? Is there one that you're... Open goes all the way. Oh man! Well, so I really like the just like first impressions, seeing the jerseys, uh, seeing the team look and all that. I really like the Houston Gamblers, which I think is an awesome name. Uh, and the I, I gotta say, the Michigan Panthers have the coolest colors. I think 
you know the like the gold and the light blue mixed with that like darker red i think it just looks really sleek and nice yeah they're the panthers are definitely one of the standouts i uh i went with the breakers the new I mean, orleans that's, breakers that's uh, fair. i mean they, they've also got some sleek jerseys yeah like that's the, one of the things where like they're the only team that's not using as at least as far as i saw they're not using any kind of uh like dark colors like they're the only one that's right. like we're going light blue like we're beachy like we're just here to play football um and i i think they're i think they're my team they just sometimes things just call to me like uh <laughs> sometimes sometimes i go to the disc golf store here and there's just a disc and i'm like this is i don't know anything about this disc but this is the disc i'm buying yeah so yeah i feel you <laughs> on that it just like you'll see a disc and it looks cool and you're just like uh, uh, i'm feeling this one i'm just gonna go give it a try and see what happens and hope <laughs> that it's not hot garbage right <laughs> Um, uh, but, but yeah, so, but yeah, we can go through kind of a brief, you know, probably more about at least the coaches. I think you did research on the coaches. You probably know more about them than I do. Uh, yeah, somewhere. So let's just go in. Uh, let's just, let's see how, how do we want to do this? We'll just go in alphabetical order. We'll just do it that way. So we got the, the Birmingham Stallions. Their head coach is Skip Holtz. Uh, I think some of your average football fans will, will probably know uh at least the last name uh his last his dad Lou Holtz was an, a legendary uh head coach and skip coached under him um he's coached some in in college bounced around a couple places um but i think he'll be he'll be decent uh do we have any standout players for the stallions uh I have on this list inside linebacker Scooby Wright, who yep. he was in, he was played in everything pretty much. He was both in the AAF and the XFL, yep. Um, yep. and also in the NFL. But mainly, I think he's known for his college uh, stint at Arizona, where he was named the top linebacker in college football in 2014. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That, he was killer in college. That star, I know it's eight years ago, but that star year, 14 sacks, six forced fumbles, 163 tackles, uh, 29 of them for loss. Uh, and then his college career was cut short the next year due to an injury. Um, but yeah, I mean, for being a defense, a defensive player outside of the SEC, able to put up numbers like that, I think is... Yeah is incredible. Like at this point, I think it's like the sec, like Alabama and Georgia at the very least will always have a defense. Um, and then outside right. of that, it's just like, it's offensive football. The quarterback's going to run it down your throat. Um, unless you're Kenny Pickett, but, <laughs> and he's really one of the only defensive players I see on this list of like a standout, you know, like other than that, right. I don't Names. even see, any other names stallions that, players on this list so names that like the you know casual or, or average football fan would would recognize yeah there's, yeah, there's a it, lot of there's a lot of unknowns for sure 
But his name is Scooby, right? Like, how can you... <laughs> like, that's such a good name. Yeah, 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 yeah. So moving on to the Houston Gamblers, we have Kevin Sumlin as their head coach. I think most people would recognize him for his uh, six-year stint at Texas A&M. He had a great run for the Aggies, led them to an 11-2 record and Cotton Bowl win in his first season. Uh, that was during the Johnny Manziel and Mike Evans um, era at, at Texas A&M. He, he did a great job with the Aggies. Uh, before that, he was at Houston, the University of Houston, uh, and and had a solid career there, 35-17. and 17. I think he's going to have a decent run with the Gamblers. That's another reason why the Gamblers, to me, stuck out as a team to potentially pay attention to. Um, I think they have a solid head coach in, in Kevin Sumlin. But who do we got on the field for them? Uh, the only player that I have on this list, which again, it's a weird position to get into. We'll get to some, some, uh, <laughs> some scorers here eventually, but yeah, I have offensive tackle Avery Genesey, who okay. also played in Houston and was with, uh, what is Summerland? That was his name. Yeah. Kevin Sumlin. Sumlin. Uh, yeah. He was an offensive tackle for Kevin Sumlin, too. So uh, some synergy there. He was also in the XFL, and he was on the front line for P.J. Walker when P.J. Walker was breaking out. My man, MVPJ. Yeah. (laughs) Dude, he was killer for the Roughnecks. Yeah. So some good uh, protection for whoever the gamblers have. I mean... The one Clayton, joke I will make Clayton here. Thorson. The one joke I will uh, make here is that if that's the only person from that team on this list, then they're really making a gamble. But <laughs> <laughs> I get to make the funny, bad pun on my least funny man. favorite team. <laughs> uh, moving on to the Michigan Panthers, I think. If you don't recognize Kevin Sullivan, you'll definitely recognize this name. It's Jeff Fisher. Uh, I think most people know Jeff Fisher as the guy that went 8-8 eight eight every year in the NFL. Um, <laughs> and, and, and that's like that sounds worse than, than it should. Like, he wasn't awful, but he posted a 173, 165, and 1 record during the regular season as an NFL coach. So that's almost exactly 500. That's what he did. Every single year, he went 8-8. Eight and eight. Uh, He did take the Tennessee Titans to the Super Bowl in the year 2000, which is crazy. That was 22 years ago. Uh, but he's not a bad coach. I think he'll be solid. I just don't know how great he will be, but he's got some talent on that team. The Michigan Panthers, I think, have a handful of standout names. Who we got playing for him? They definitely uh, have some names on here. Uh, real quick, wide receiver Jeff Bidette. Uh, yep. He spent you know time in the NFL. He was in Washington, Atlanta, Las Vegas. Uh, he was. Mostly, oh, he's also uh, XFL dude. He was with he was, the Renegades. Yes. But again, mainly known for his time in college. He played for Kentucky and Oklahoma. Uh, his college career, he caught 
Oh, just at Kentucky, sorry. 108 passes and 10 touchdowns, averaging 16 and a half yards per catch. That's a lot, I think, yeah. personally, yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for this league. But also, I don't know how they did it, but the Panthers have, I think, the best quarterback situation. Yeah, they probably um, they probably have the the two best, uh, just based off what we kind of know and the history that these two guys have. They probably have the two best in Shea Patterson and and Paxton Lynch. Yeah, uh, when Shea Patterson is uh, a Michigan, you know, alma mater, he played at Ole Miss too, but I think mostly known for his time at yeah, at definitely. Michigan. So that'll be nice for him to just, you know, play where he's known. Like, I think that'll get a lot of synergy from him. Even though they don't play in Michigan, I think it'll still be probably good for him to represent his old state again. Um, and then behind him, you still have Paxton Lynch, uh, who did get drafted in the first round in 2016. Uh, Which is played crazy. three seasons. Played two seasons for the Broncos, uh, which he just... The Broncos, during that time, because was that the first or second year right after Peyton left? That was pretty Ooh. soon after Peyton left that he got drafted. And the Broncos what just what, fell what apart. You, 2016. Yeah, I feel like that might have been... I think 2016 is when Peyton retired. So I I think you're right, and, and like he he wasn't terrible for them, but he wasn't he wasn't Peyton Manning. <laughs> yeah, it was just it was one of those situations too where I think, uh, kind of how like the Rams are a dream team. I think there were a lot of guys who were sticking around on the Broncos to play for Peyton Manning, and right. then when Peyton Manning left, they were kind of like yeah whatever, and they had to go into pretty much a rebuild after that, and. uh Paxton Lynch just wasn't the guy to bring all that talent back and and all that stuff. So, because I don't think the Broncos have had even a winning season since Peyton Manning left. So they were Probably close not. this year. I don't think they got they, it. This year. Had, they were pretty close. They've had a lot of bad luck at the, you know, arguably the most important position in the quarterback. Uh, so it'll be it'll be nice to see Paxton Lynch get a second chance. I don't know how much playing time he's going to get. Uh, behind Shea Patterson, I think I think that Shea Patterson is probably the presumed starter going right. into Week One. And if he if he falters a little bit, then you know we'll see what happens from there. But Paxton Lynch might get an opportunity to really put together a, a a great you know some great tape on him that he can take to the NFL and say, hey, look, you know I've still got some some juice left in this tank. I can be at least a serviceable backup for somebody, um, but. You know, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think in a league where, like, we don't know what we're really going to see from any of these guys. Right. Uh, like, it's fantastic to have a quarterback with this kind of experience behind. Because he started two full seasons. It's not like like some other guys that just like, oh, yeah, like, I was a backup. I started, like, four games. Like, no, he's straight up for two whole NFL seasons started. And that's right. some great experience to not only have as a backup, but to also, like, maybe even teach and mentor Shea Patterson. So For sure, um, for sure. That's definitely, I think, one of the more stacked teams and one of the best situations for them. Um, yeah. yeah, I agree. 
Moving on, we got the New Jersey Generals. This is a head coach that a lot of people might not be super familiar with. Uh, it's head coach Mike Riley. Now, he has actually been involved in the AAF and the XFL, the two previous uh, startup spring leagues. He was the head coach for the San Antonio Commanders. Fun fact, I went to one AAF game in Atlanta. It was the San Antonio Commanders against the Atlanta Legends, I think is what they were called. Uh, and the Commanders like beat the snot out of Atlanta. It was like 44-3. to three. It was it was. Terrible uh, going there as uh, I wasn't even like an Atlanta fan, but it was in Atlanta, so I kind of had to be like an Atlanta fan. Uh, but they they beat the crap out of them. So you know maybe he's got some some good coaching. He was the offensive coordinator for the Seattle Dragons uh, in the XFL, which Seattle had a solid offense. So we'll see what he's got going into to uh, the USFL. So who we got playing on that team? So real quick, I don't know, uh, just to pick at you a little bit, I don't know why you think that you had to root for Atlanta with you being there. I've never seen you root for a team for a place that you're in ever. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's fair. That's fair. I think what it was, I didn't have necessarily an allegiance to either one of those teams. San Antonio was, like, maybe the most fun. Well, not uh, Orlando had the best team in the AAF. Um, that was the team with... Uh, uh, Garrett Gilbert as the quarterback and Spurrier as their head coach. They were like, I, I want to say they might have been undefeated when the AAF stopped or they had only lost like one game. They were they were super fun to watch. But San right. Antonio was just as much fun. They they were awesome. Um, I didn't really have a rooting allegiance. That's why I said I kind of had to root for Atlanta because I was in the Atlanta area, you know, with other Atlanta fans around me. Um, but it was fun seeing San Antonio score that many points. I'll say that. <laughs> yeah, I just, I was like, wait a second, like Green Bay, uh, what is it, <laughs> Oklahoma City, uh, yeah. Texas Rangers. <laughs> like, wait a second. South That's Carolina I like, for college. I like who I like, all right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so your location at that time shouldn't have stopped you. Anyway, we're getting off track here. Uh the New Jersey Generals. Uh, I'm going to throw a running back at you. Uh, running back. Running back. Mike Weber. He okay. played for the Ohio State Buckeyes. And unlike a lot of people on these lists, was drafted uh, in the sixth round in 2019 by the Cowboys. Which, if I'm not mistaken, is maybe the same year or the year after Zeke got drafted. So he was drafted almost as a backup for him. Maybe. Yeah, it's around that time, right? Uh, but yeah, but he's again mainly known for his time in college. He was an Ohio State Buckeye. Uh, his three over three seasons, two thousand six hundred seventy six rushing yards for twenty four touchdowns. Which for you know, I feel like college again they don't use running backs as much as the quarterback runs. The ball, maybe. I might be a little right. off base on that, but I think for a running back in college, that is super, super good. Um, yeah. I mean, it all depends on the offense that they're that they're in. So hopefully uh, Mike Weber will give us a fun run game on top of, I'm sure, the craziness of the double pass and stuff we're going to get. 
<laughs> and yeah, maybe I'm some helmet, some helmet cam stiff arms. I'm here for it. They're uh, one of their quarterbacks, Luis Perez, actually played in XFL and AAF, and he's bounced around the league a handful of times. But he played for the Birmingham Iron the AAF. He played for the uh, New York Guardians in the XFL, um, and he's he's a solid quarterback. I think he's got he's got a good arm on him. Um, so we'll see w- what he can do. And then one of their wide receivers, Cavante Turpin, uh, was in the FCF last year, which is fan-controlled football. Um, it's arena-style football. It's it's a lot of fun. They're doing that for a second season this year, too. Uh, and he, he was one of the standouts of that league for sure. So that'll be fun to see what he can do uh, on a full, you know, 100-yard football field. I think that's going to be like that for a lot of these players, especially like the guys that have been in AAF and the guys that have been in XFL. And then you said SCF and all that. Like these are guys that have been in leagues that haven't been able to finish. And they're like, like they've started to like shine like last year. Like I think PJ Walker is a super good example where like he had like good momentum. Like he was doing really well in the XFL. Then the XFL broke down. He came up to the NFL and I just, Still think he had a little bit more work to do in the XFL before coming up because I mean it could yeah. just be the Panthers because the Panthers are the Panthers in the NFL, but um, yeah, he hasn't I, really I had agree. a chance to shine there either. So I agree. Moving on to the New Orleans Breakers, uh, the head coach for this is probably not a super recognizable name. His name is Larry Fedora. Probably the best name for a head coach uh, yeah. in the USFL. Allegedly, he is a big fan of the spread offense and the you know high flying passing vertical game. So that should be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, I I know very little about this guy, but he's bounced around from a couple different colleges. So we'll see what happens with him in the USFL, but who do we got playing for the New Orleans Breakers? Well, at their... I went to a new list to look for players. This is the top 15 players in the USFL. All right. And at number 10 is their quarterback, Kyle Slot Sloter? Slaughter? Oh, Sloter, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kyle Sloter. Uh, went to college at Northern Colorado. Also played for the Denver Broncos. When um, when Paxton was there in 2017, okay. undrafted okay. free agent. Um, after that, he pretty much bounced around through the NFL and all that kind of stuff. Like literally, his whole time in uh, there, he started in a lot of preseason games where he threw 1,200 yards and 11 touchdowns. Uh, however, apparently, he can whip the ball. Because he got uh-huh. uh, recorded ball speed up to 58 miles per hour. Wow! On the field. So wow. if the if the quarter if the coach, as you say, is into that kind of offense, then yeah, if yeah. if some players can get down the field, he might be launching yeah. like That'd a tidal a wave. Could definitely be a fun one to watch. I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, 
the Breakers are honestly probably the team that I'm least familiar with any of these guys. Uh, there's just not any like standout recognizable names. Layer Fedora is not a standout recognizable name, but that leads for that makes for a lot of fun uh, as a fan to get to know these guys and see what they can produce, unless it's hot garbage, which is a possibility. <laughs> Well, hopefully that's not the case, but we will see. <laughs> uh, yeah, the only other notable name, which is like still again not uh, a college that like people are aware of, but uh, Taewon Taylor uh, is their wide receiver one. Okay. Who I mean, best wide receiver in Western Kentucky history, but it's Western Kentucky, so uh, <laughs> still two seasons, uh, thirty-two hundred yards, thirty-four touchdowns. Uh, he was a third-round pick to the Tennessee Titans in 2017. Uh, but I don't think he was a starter in the NFL. Only 50 career receptions between his time at Tennessee and the Browns. Uh, so it's interesting, too, about this quarterback-wide receiver duo is they're a couple of the oldest guys in the yeah. league. Uh, Slaughter is uh, 28, and right. Taylor is 27. So definitely something to keep an eye on, see if these guys, I mean, by NFL standards, I feel like they're not that old, but maybe for yeah. a wide receiver, 27, but yeah. Yeah, we'll see what happens. It's weird that, like, the oldest guys are also, like, the least well-known. You'd think they would be around right. more and people would hear right. their name more, but... Yeah. All right. Let's jump over to the Philadelphia Stars. Their head coach is Bart Andrus. That's another name that I don't recognize, and I would bet the average football fan doesn't recognize. But he made his name coaching in the NFL Europe, back when the NFL Europe was a thing, where he led the Amsterdam Admirals to two World Bowl appearances and one win. Uh, I guess that must mean that he got a championship and took them to their version of the Super Bowl. I don't remember the NFL Europe that much. That was a long time ago. Uh, he bounced around a little bit um, from uh, within the NFL, working with Jeff Fisher, and then coaching some in the CFL up in Canada, and some with the XFL. Uh, but we'll see what happens with, with the Philadelphia Stars. I guess say I'm not a fan of that name either, or their color scheme. It's a lot of, uh, a lot of red and orange going on yeah. there, but... Who we got on the field for them? I mean, they're not as bad as the Maulers, but but you still, we'll are get... correct on that. We will get there. Uh, quarterback Brian Scott, California's Occidental College, but he threw, but he did throw seventy-seven touchdowns and just twenty-two interceptions in his time in college. So, um, sounds like sounds like he didn't mean to go to college; it just kind of happened, Occidental. <laughs> more like he accidentally went to college maybe i don't know yeah. uh <laughs> so after college he went undrafted and everything he tried out with the chiefs in 2018 um and they signed him for a little bit there but eventually uh you know chiefs ended up going with patrick mahomes because he's patrick mahomes um, the only other team he was on, he tried out with the Colts in 2021, but I don't think he was ever actually signed. So okay. this 
this is an interesting one because it's like he, he's kind of one of those sleepers i think like uh i mean he's got talent obviously he's got you said, talent you said 77, 77 and 22 yeah so at the very least he could be maybe like a Tannehill kind of guy like a very good shot caller a very like accurate thrower he might not be throwing bombs but right uh he's gonna play smart efficient football exactly. take care of the ball yeah yeah yeah, yeah he, he could be a fun one to watch for sure exactly and it's just again i like the mysterious players because it's like that's all we know about him like he it says he had tryouts with the Chiefs and had tryouts with the Colts, but it's like, did he actually play? <laughs> did right. he actually play right. at all? So this could be like a young, a younger guy in the USFL coming up to try to make a name for himself. So, yeah, could be could be fun to watch for sure. So let's move on to the Pittsburgh Maulers. We've talked about how terrible of a name that is and how terrible of a jersey and color scheme they have. And they're led by Kirby Wilson, another guy I don't recognize the name of, but he <laughs> bounced around the NFL, um, coached with a couple of teams there, and he's coached you know, guys like Adrian Peterson, Emmitt Smith, Edgar and James. Like, these are big-name running back so maybe he's got something something you know they they can help this team succeed and he has probably the one of the best running backs in the league this is a late signing by uh Pittsburgh is Madre London Madre London went to the University of Tennessee but most recently as of last year last year they started a European League of American Football over in Europe. Madre London was the MVP of that league last year for what he did on the ground. Uh, when the USFL draft was going down, I was hoping that Madre London would be involved. If you go watch his highlights, he is a fun running back to watch. So this is going to be an exciting guy to watch for Pittsburgh. Uh, and if you've got a coach that's worked with you know, like I just said, the big names of Adrian Pearson, Emmett Smith, Edgar and James, like this could be a fun fella to follow. Besides him, though, who else do we got? That's interesting because I was actually about to talk about their other running back. Okay. <laughs> uh, Devion Smith played for the Miami Dolphins in 2017. Uh, he started more of a receiving back and then they realized, oh man, this guy's a runner, not a catcher. And, uh, so that's mainly what he did in the Dolphins. He was only there a couple years. He did play in the AAF with six rushing touchdowns before that league collapsed. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. He was also the XFL's rushing yards leader as a member of the Tampa Bay Vipers. So this guy is oh. also... This might be... Uh, what would you say the best running back duo is in the NFL? Chubb Hunt, maybe? Taylor yeah. Hines, like yeah, this could I, be this could be a good for sure. Mullers think... could be playing a, a committee game, which I feel like yeah. you know Pittsburgh they're gonna play in your face football. That's so. like uh, that's like the uh, the Kyle Shanahan San Francisco Forty Nine er type offense. 
where it's not yeah. necessarily one one solid running back, but you got a couple guys back there that can all go out and get you, you know, a hundred yards a game or whatever. Yeah, but it's that, like it's like the Ravens, where eventually everyone just plays running back. Right. <laughs> it's like the complete opposite of what we were just talking about with um with the Breakers and Larry Fedora and his passing offense. The complete opposite, yeah. a ground and pound type offense, which is, I mean, that's kind of Pittsburgh football. So. We'll, we'll we'll see what happens with them. That that could be a lot of fun for sure. Yeah, I like I like a good run game. Like the passing and stuff is always cool, but sometimes you just need to see somebody just like break a bunch of tackles and like right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's always fun seeing guys just burst through the line and get like a you know sixty five seventy yard touchdown, or they're just stiff arming guys stiff arming guys on the way to the end zone. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, like. Derrick Henry, uh, Marshawn Lynch, like those kind of guys. Yeah. yeah, yeah, And that leaves us with the Tampa Bay Bandits, the eighth team in the USFL, coached by head coach Todd Haley. Todd Haley has bounced around the NFL. He was a head coach for the Chiefs, uh, I feel like like a decade ago. Um, he was the an offensive coordinator for Pittsburgh, I believe. He was an offensive coordinator for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, that was one of the coordinators that was there when the Baker Mayfield era started. So pretty fairly recently. Um, he's not a terrible coach. He did have a 19-26 and 26 record as a head coach with the Chiefs. So we'll see how much of that you know, transfers over to the USFL. But the guy I'm most excited to watch on this team has to be the quarterback Jordan Te'amu. I mean, he this is a guy that was that was with the St. Louis Battlehawks in the XFL. Arguably, outside of PJ Walker, the best other quarterback in that league. Uh, PJ Walker wasn't doing the Mahomes-like things that he was somehow managing to do for the Houston Roughnecks. Jordan Te'amu would have been the face of that league. Um, so I'm excited to see what he can do down in Tampa, but who, who else we got on the field for him? Uh, I want to do a quick shout out because the name that I'm just reading now on this list that I meant to talk about for the stallions, uh, was CJ, uh, Marble. I think is how you pronounce it. Oh yeah. yeah. The coastal, spent, coastal running back spent his college time at coastal Carolina where yeah, yeah. I live. So that's fun stuff. And he's, I mean, <laughs> Not a slouch either. I'm not just saying like, oh yeah, he's he's from South Carolina. That's cool. Uh, no, uh, 23 touchdowns on the ground while averaging five, uh, just over five yards per carry. Also, 10 receiving touchdowns. Uh, went with the Bears for a little bit. Didn't make the final roster there. I don't know. They just don't give us a chance, man. So hopefully, <laughs> that's another thing I like about this league. Before I, before I get into uh. Who uh, Tiamu will be throwing to? Uh, another thing I like about this league: some of these guys that go to smaller colleges that aren't in the SEC that never get a chance. You know, aren't on TV every week. Yeah, they're they're getting a chance to shine here. So hopefully, uh, CJ can represent Carolina here and uh, and make a name up there. But yeah, going back to the Bandits going to talk about uh, 
Tamu's probably top target, Eli Rogers. Yes. Uh, yep. Who was a wide receiver at Louisville and also spent four whole seasons with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yep. Uh, three of which were under his now head coach, who's the offensive coordinator at the time. So, again, another guy. It's a good little chemistry that they, they got going on. Uh, right. He had close to 1,000 receiving yards within his uh, time in the NFL and would later be a top target in the XFL as well uh, as a DC defender. Yep. So, yep. with I think this might be one of the scarier duos as far as uh, passer receiver kind of goes in this league. So, yeah, for sure. For sure. And again, I'm always excited to watch them. Chemistry with a coach too, I think is is a huge, it's a huge I advantage. I agree. I think that that's something that you know we talked about a couple of these guys having some chemistry with their coaches. I think that's gonna, you know, we're gonna see that pay off on the field this weekend. I think um, anytime you have like synergy with leadership already. When you move it doesn't matter if you're moving into a new position or whatever uh you've already got that that established connection and there's some familiarity there so uh we'll we'll, we'll see what happens but i think i think like you said it, it it should pay off for them yeah it's gonna be a fun time yeah for sure for sure sorry so we've gone through the eight teams we've talked about the big names on them we've talked about all the coaches so, do you want to give a prediction for how you think the season will will pan out? Who's going to be standing with the with the trophy at the end? Ooh, okay. Um, I don't know how deep you want to go. I mean, I did full standings for each side, and I did playoff games. So, I don't know if you want me to go through all of it or not. How you want that to go? Let's do. Let's do uh, the. The four teams that you that you think will make the play. Who's making the playoffs out of the North? Okay. The North is going to be the Panthers and the Stars. I think the Panthers, okay. uh, again, that quarterback situation is one of the best they have. Uh, they just seem more put together than a lot of the other teams do, especially in the North. Yeah. Like the Stars, the Stars got some guys, but. I don't know. I just something uh they just don't seem as well put together, I think, as no, the Panthers I'm, I'm, do. I'm with you. I, I think the Panthers are gonna probably be the team uh at, at the top of the north uh when it's all said and done. I think that Shea Harrison has a shot at being whatever the equivalent of this league's MVP is. I think it could potentially be Shea Harrison. The only thing that I see standing in the way of the Michigan Panthers is their head coach, Jeff Fisher. I've never liked Jeff Fisher. I've never been a fan of his. Um, I talked earlier about him. The joke was that he's going to go eight and eight every year. And that's like, that's what he did. And so if, if he coaches a team that's this talented to that level, it's not going to be good. Uh, but I, I'm with you. I think the Panthers have the most talent, uh, especially in the North, potentially in the entire league. So I I have the Panthers at the top. I'm going to say... I'm going to say the Maulers finish second in that division. 
Um, I just have a lot of faith in in Madre London. I'm really like I'm stoked to see what he can do. Honestly, you're probably right, but I couldn't let myself put a Pittsburgh team in the playoffs. Oh, I that's do it. that's a hundred percent fair. Hundred <laughs> percent do it in in a league where it's like we don't really know a ton about these players. It's just like right. who would be cool to see? And yeah. yeah, yeah. Honestly, I think the Panthers are just gonna blow like whoever is second place in that conference doesn't matter to me at this point. It's just like <laughs> knowing uh I like just seeing the talent on that team. They might have an iffy coach, but I mean, it's it's the spring league. I feel like these coaches wouldn't be here if they didn't have their share of problems, you know. So, right. Um, right. So, who do you Pan- have? Uh, who do you have out of those out of the Panthers and the Stars making the championship? Oh, the Panthers, a yeah, thousand percent. The Panthers, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, Pan- Panthers North champions for sure. Yeah, the South is a little more interesting, but I think the North is is pretty much locked again, unless Jeff Fisher finds a way to mess it up. Unless, or, unless Jeff Fisher does Jeff Fisher things, the the Panthers should be the North champions at the end of the season for sure. Yeah, for sure. So who we got uh, in the South? The South making the playoffs. I have the Stallions at the one seed and the Breakers at the two seed. And wow. a big reason I did this, I, I put, first of all, the Stallions, I think, have a ton of talent. They have a ton of underrated talent, like such as CJ and, and those guys. Right. But the huge advantage they have is that every game, I think, except like the championship, is being it's played in Birmingham. They are the home team every single game, no matter what. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's something we didn't talk about, but there something that I think the USFL was very smart in doing is they made this year a I guess technically it's like it's a bubble year to where all the teams are in Birmingham, they're playing all their games, uh most of them at Protective Stadium. I think there's one other stadium in downtown Birmingham that they might be playing at, but most of them are going to be at Protective Stadium, which is the uh UAB football facility. Uh, and I think it's a very smart move for them. It saves them money. They're not having to, you know, spend money on travel, not having to spend money securing multiple, uh, sites to have games, just one place. And I think that's a very good business move and it'll pay off in the end for them. But like you said, with the Birmingham Stallions being down there, that's, that's going to be, it's going to be a home team, you know, home field advantage for them. Yeah, for sure. I think the only game not being played in Birmingham is the championship, which is being played at the Hall of Fame Stadium in Canton, Ohio. Well, all of the playoffs will be. So the two semifinal games and the championship game will be in in Ohio. Right. Which is why I have the Breakers upsetting the Stallions in the playoffs. (laughs) It's interesting, man. I, I actually have the two other teams as the top two. I have Tampa Bay Bandits. I'll, I'm going to say Bandits at number one and Gamblers at number two. Really? Um, and I'm going to say Tampa wins the South. I I think that, like we talked about with Michigan having the most talent in the North, I think the Bandits might have the most talent in the South. 
I think that the connection between you know Teamu and Eli Rogers and and them is gonna. I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. I think that those guys are. It's weird to say like established vets, but they kind of are. Like they've been around these other three leagues. They've floated around. They've 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 played some uh, in the NFL, and I think that that's going to translate on the field. I think that when you have guys that have reps at the next level in some capacity, like it's going to show. So that's why I have the the Bandits as as number one, but the Gamblers I think might be the best coached in the South. I really have a lot of faith in Sumlin. I liked what he did at Texas A&M. He was very successful there, which it's you're in a, a conference that's not easy to be successful in. Um, so if you can come into to the SEC and, and have the level of success that he did, you're doing something right. And I think that hopefully that will translate over to the USFL with the Houston Gamblers. And I have them at two. And I'm having trouble picking which one I think is going to make the championship. I'm going to say the Bandits just because I think that makes for the most fun matchup. The Bandits and the Panthers in the championship. So that's what I'm going to go with. That's what I'm going to stick with. Yeah, I, I think the South really could go any way. Like I said, the reason... It definitely could. I, I'm pulling a Blake here, but I put the Stallions at one because they have enough talent with having home field advantage every single week to, to get up right. there. So. Um, yeah, that's fair. I, and then the Breakers, I want them to make the playoffs because they're they're my team. Go Breakers! Uh, <laughs> I'm a little biased. It's fine, especially since I have horror stories of Houston. But that's sure. a story. For, <laughs> that's a story for another time. <laughs> uh, I should pick a team. If you've got the Breakers, I should pick a team. I just don't know which team I want to pick. Oh man. Yeah, I mean, I probably shouldn't have picked one before I actually see how they played, but <laughs> you, you can you can watch the games this week and decide. All right, so your <laughs> so your championship will be the, the Breakers and the Panthers. Yes, and I'm going to say the Bandits and the Panthers. And who do you got winning it all? As much as I want to root for the breakers i just i think the panthers are too much i think the panthers have a way better situation like especially by then later in the season uh cuz we were talking about it the breakers have the oldest quarterback wide receiver duo right and are those guys going to have gas left in the tank to play like a big playoff game uh and all that so I I think the Panthers will come out in the end and win it for the North. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I think I'm also going to go Panthers. Um, you you pre pre prepared your standings and and championships and all that, and I did well, not. I'm I... doing them all I'm doing them all off the cuff. Uh, but I'm with you. I think I think I'll go Panthers also. I uh, I changed my championship. I had breakers written down, but I no. decided I decided that I should be unbiased. And being unbiased, the Panthers beat pretty much almost anyone in the league. Yeah, I mean, the, on <laughs> on paper, on paper, they should. 
But yeah. again, it all comes down to the coach. I just can't trust the coach. Which is why I think so I have it narrowed down to either the the Panthers, the Gamblers, or the Bandits as my team. And I think that I can't choose the Panthers solely because of their head coaching situation. I just can't root for a Jeff Fisher led team. I can't do it. So You know they're you know they're gonna win some games. <laughs> I mean, hopefully, hopefully they will. They should. But you know what? I'm a gambling man. Oh my! Think God. I think I'm gonna roll with H Town and go with the Houston Gamblers. It's probably gonna be awful. It's gonna be terrible. They're probably gonna go zero and ten and be a terrible team. <laughs> Jeez. But we'll no, see what it'll happens. Be... <laughs> uh yeah like i said i don't see him making making the playoffs but i think i'm a little biased there uh yeah because they 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 do got some talent for sure in houston but yeah yeah definitely <laughs> <laughs> all right well it's week one all the excitement starts this weekend on saturday night we got four games every week it's this is gonna be a lot easier and quicker than our NFL podcast because it's four games. It's fantastic, but I think it's time. I've missed saying this, but I think it's time that we get picky with it. Nah, this nah, 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 nah. Yeah, nah, there nah. you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Just insert, just take a cut of a previous podcast and just put Blake's voice there. Because I can't can't do it justice. I don't want to... Starting us off, Saturday night, we got the home team, the Birmingham Stallions. Technically, the New Jersey Generals are quote-unquote traveling to Birmingham, but they'll already be there to face the Birmingham Stallions in Protective Stadium at 7.30 p.m. Saturday night. You can watch it on Fox. You can watch it on NBC. You can watch it on Peacock. Tons of options to watch this game. I think it's awesome that two networks have agreed to simulcast a game. I think it's the first time uh, that that that's happened for a football game in like decades. Yeah, it's I think like 20 or 30 years or something like that. Yeah. It's been a long yeah, time. Yeah. <laughs> but we got Fox and NBC teaming up. All the coverage this year will be on uh, Fox Network or an NBC Network. Uh, mostly on their two you know broadcast channels, Fox and NBC. 7.30pm Saturday night Currently, the Birmingham Stallions are two and a half point favorites. Uh, I think it's crazy. There's already odds out for these games. I was gonna say, and are people betting? I don't this? know what. I don't know. Oh, uh, people are absolutely betting on this. There's a team oh, in this go. league called the Gamblers. People are absolutely <laughs> throwing money on these teams, and I think it's crazy that they're doing that without <laughs> any kind of reference. Without any kind of reference for how good the Stallions will be. Somebody is placing bets on them, and they're the favorite by two and a half points. But I'm going to ask you, you, good sir, who you got, man? Do you know? Do you know why they're the two and a half point favorite? Because, because they're the home team. Because they're the home team, <laughs> exactly. Um, also, I bet Calvin Ridley is just thrilled that he can 
FanDuel some football now. Oh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> He's been waiting for this. <laughs> no. Um, this, is, this is a pretty easy one for me. I mean, they're easy, but hard because obviously we don't know a lot about them. But I'm also, I'm agreeing with Vegas. I'm going with the Stallions. Uh, home field advantage. I think they got a little bit more talent there. Uh, yeah. It, it's their first game. And people at the game, I feel like they're like, hey, they're from here. Let's root for this team. So, oh, I think that city's going to be hyped for sure. They've done, they've done a lot of, uh, oh, excuse me. They, they've done a really good job of building up uh, some support in that city for, for the USFL. Um, so I think that stadium's going to be rocking. I don't know if it'll be a sellout, but it should be. Tickets are only $10, I think. And if you're under 15, you can go for free as long as you oh, wow. have some accompanying, you know, yeah. ticket paying adult. Uh, so to go take your kids, do whatever. Like this would be a fun night out. Go have a blast watching some hopefully good football. Um, but I'm with you. I'm going with the home team. I'm going with the Stallions. I think that they're going to be rocking. They're going to be hyped up. Uh, and like you said, technically they're the home team. So we'll see what happens. But I'm 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 here for the Stallions. Yeah, I think that's. I think of all of them, it's the easy. Maybe the second easiest, but it's it's definitely an easy choice there. Like the the. I'm kind of surprised that the home field advantage only gets them two and a half points. But again, who knows what we're walking into. I feel like all these odds are probably super close if they're not like straight even. So, uh, Spoiler alert, they all are. <laughs> well, let's move on. Let's move on to Sunday, 12 p.m. 12 p.m. Eastern, Sunday, April 17th. We have the Houston Gamblers taking on the Michigan Panthers. Currently, Panthers are two-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, again, I don't know what that's based on outside of the fact that, on paper, Michigan's the better team. If that's, if, that's, <laughs> if, that's the pre, if that's the prerequisite to uh, making odds, Las Vegas, I'm available. Uh, where do I need to submit my application? <laughs> I can tell you who, on paper, is the better team any day of the week. Um, but Panthers are two-and-a-half-point favorites. I ask you, good sir, who you got, man? Shockingly, I went with the Michigan Panthers. And it feels weird to pick the Panthers because going from NFL, it's like, yeah, the Panthers, you never pick the Panthers unless they're playing like the Falcons or somebody bad. Uh, (laughs) Always, always when they play the the Falcons. (laughs) I say that, but I think the Falcons actually won those games this year. (laughs) I just like talking smack. Sorry. Um, no, but yeah, the. I mean, I've been saying it all day. The Panthers have the best quarterback situation. I think they are the best put together drafted team as a whole. Their only weak spot is their coach, which again, in a league that is not the NFL, if you're coaching in this league, you're in this league for a reason. So, right. um. I think the Panthers are gonna knock the snot out of your <laughs> out of your Houston Gamblers over there. Well, unsurprisingly, I'm rolling with the Gamblers. I'm a gambling Ooh. man, and I'm rolling Ooh. with the Gamblers. Uh, 
I will take those two and a half points. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm with you. I do think the Panthers on paper should beat the Gamblers, but you know, it's Jeff Fisher and the man cannot be trusted. So give me the team from H-Town, the Gamblers. Jeff Fisher is not a liability outside of the NFL. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. No, I I mean, that's the point I've been drilling for the last little bit now. Like, he might be a liability, but I feel like all of the other coaches have to also be partial liabilities. Sure, at, sure. At yeah, yeah, I mean, that's fair. And, like, like I mean, obviously we both just picked the Panthers to, to be the champions at the end because yeah. they, they should be. But, you know, I, I, I'm just I'm, – I'm feeling a certain way. I've got a little feeling that the gamblers – are gonna make some magic happen. They got. Okay. I think they got. They got something up their sleeves. Let me let me ask you this: uh, How many games are in the USFL this year? How many weeks is it? Ten weeks. Ten games. Uh. Yeah. So he wins eight games a year, so he'll be fine. Oh, get out of here! <laughs> That's not how it works. He won and lost the same amount of games every year. <laughs> so by that logic, he'll go five and five. <laughs> no, no, no. He he won eight games a year. That makes sense to me. Makes sense to me. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I said it, but that game will be on NBC and Peacock. Uh, moving on. To the afternoon game on Sunday, we have the Philadelphia Stars coming to town to face the New Orleans Breakers. Your Nolens Breakers at 4 p.m. It'll be over on the USA Network. The Breakers currently two and a half point favorites. Uh, again, the Breakers are two and a half point favorites. Yep. Again, don't know where these odds are coming from. They're just being made up and put out there into the ether by Vegas. Uh, but who do you got, man? Um, I'm wondering if it's just because if they can't decide based on talent or anything like that, if they're just going with the South because it's like people might come from New Orleans. I feel like that's that can't be super far of a drive. It's probably a lot farther than I think it is. Um, but... I'm agreeing with the people here. I'm going with my boys, the NOLA Breakers. Yeah, I'm with, with you. I've, the, I've, I've also got the Breakers. The old man quarterback wide receiver duo are going to show these youngins how it's done. Yeah, I mean, based on everything just... we've talked about with uh, with Sloter, I mean, the, the guy might go out there and throw for 450 yards. Yeah, <laughs> he's got he's got a heck of a cannon. So, and Fedora likes to pass the ball. So, I, sure, sign me up for that. I'll I'll watch that all day. Give me the New Orleans Breakers. I'll take it. Yeah. Plus, I just don't trust Philadelphia football. Really, any Pennsylvania football, I don't trust it. Well, that <laughs> leads us into the night game. We got more of your Pennsylvania football. We got the Tampa Bay Bandits taking on the Pittsburgh Maulers at 8 p.m. Sunday night over on FS1. Uh, 
currently the Tampa Bay Bandits are four and a half point favorites. That's a little crazy. That's uh, the first time that the home team is not the favorite. The, the technical home team uh, is not the favorite. And that's the biggest spread. So I'm wondering what Vegas knows as far as how bad the Maulers are going to be or how good they think the Bandits are going to be with uh, Tayamu at the helm. But I ask you, good sir, as I always do, who do you got, man? That's uh, that's crazy. First of all, I know that every time you ask me who I got, I start with something else other than who I have. Oh, that's um, <laughs> <laughs> but but I think it's crazy that that's like the largest spread because this is the game that was the hardest for me to decide. Like really? the stallions, the stallions was easier for me because it's the first game there at home. The Panthers was easy for me because I think they're probably the best team in the league. And the Breakers was easy for me uh, because they're my team and I don't trust Philadelphia football. Where Bandits and Maulers were like thinking about it now, the it's pass versus run. The Maulers have two solid right. running backs and uh, the Bandits have arguably the best, the best quarterback in the league and one of the best receivers in the league. Right. Um, so to me, it's one of the closest games we're going to see all weekend. That being said, I'm still going with the Bandits. Um, yeah, I I think I think you're right about that. I think it will be probably the closest. And it's this is this is a good this is a good uh, Sunday night game for Week One. Uh, this is like two names to watch in this game: Jordan Tayamu, who is arguably the best quarterback in this league outside of Shea Patterson. You could make a case that he's better than Shea Patterson. And on the other side of the field, Madre London for the Pittsburgh Maulers. I talked earlier about Madre London. This is a guy that just won MVP over in Europe for the European League of American Football, which surprisingly was actually not bad football. It was it was fun football to watch. I watched a handful of those games, watched highlights from a lot of them, and this guy is a fantastic, fun running back to watch so he's Pittsburgh Maulers starting running back Madre London watch out for him he's gonna be a lot of fun to watch but I'm with you I have the bandits I think they're the better team again on paper they should win this game but it's hard picking these games because we don't know what to expect from these teams we don't know like on paper the talent level can be through the roof but if you can't execute on Sunday it doesn't matter um and it's difficult going into this league completely blind to a lot of these players not knowing anything. But I think the Bandits are the better team, or should be the better team. So I'm with you. I'm taking them. But I think I think it could be close. Yeah. The only the only thing I'm interested in because again, basically run versus pass, and I think the Bandits' passing game with with how these new rules are going to come into place with you know double passes and and that kind of thing. The only yeah. downside to that for passers, though, is that they might get more worn down whenever they're like, you know, if they're going for a three-point conversion and they're probably having to throw the ball from the 10 or, you know, that kind right. of thing. So it yeah. may be a close thing where it's like the Bandits might get ahead early, but the Mullers are just going to keep using London and Devion Smith, who, again, also not a slouch, was the leading rusher in the XFL right? Uh, during its little stint recently. You know, yeah, they I have just... a solid core there. So I think it'll be the closest game. I still think the Bandits are going to pull it out. But it's, I think, the game I'm most excited to watch. Yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm, 
hoping that come Monday we can, you know, walk away saying that was a fun weekend of football and have, you know, some some guys that stood out. I remember week one of the XFL is when everybody knew PJ Walker's name because of the plays that he made that were ridiculous. And he continued to do that through all five weeks that the XFL operated. And so I'm just hoping to see somebody do that. So, maybe even Kyle uh, Slaughter, Slaughter, however you pronounce the last name, for the New Orleans Breakers, the guy that you know is supposed to have a cannon of an arm. Maybe we'll be able to, like I said earlier, maybe he'll go out and have a 450-yard day, which would be incredible. Uh, but you know, maybe he does something like that that's, that gets us talking and, and, and is fun to watch. And we have guys that we're familiar with to some degree moving into week two uh, where we can expect to see some highlights from guys you know that's what i'm hopeful for yeah and we'll we'll be able to talk about that more like i think we're going with the normal format you said like we're gonna have a best and a worst each week and uh i think it's gonna be fun i'm hopeful i'm excited i'm glad it's finally here uh it's been right around two months since we last saw some professional football and while this might be low-level professional football, it's professional football nonetheless, and we get it until uh, the end of June. So we got two and a half months or so of this, and I'm excited, man. I'm happy to finally have some football to watch on TV. Oh yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a blast. Like I, I love disc golf, and I love watching disc golf coverage. But sometimes it's just one of those things where, like, I fall asleep, and I feel like I don't fall asleep to football, so. Well, yeah, I mean, because football is exciting. <laughs> and that's disc not golf? to say disc golf. That's not to say disc golf's not. Listen, I've talked a bunch of crap about disc golf in the past. Well, not a bunch of crap, but I've I've <laughs> more or less hated on disc golf just because I thought it was a sport for uh, nerds and unathletic athletes if, if, if you like you understand what I'm trying to say with by that uh, but I have been playing disc golf every day for like the last month now so I'm now fully on board with it right it's uh which I mean you're not wrong about it being those things but it is <laughs> it doesn't mean that it's also not welcoming for people who aren't those things so right right yeah yeah for sure. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I'm going to end this by saying the same thing I said every time for Booth Review. Uh, if you're not following us on Facebook, go follow us on Facebook. Go follow us on Twitter. Come hop into the Discord. We have daily conversations about uh, basketball, baseball, football, really all sports in general. Uh, it is a lot of fun. We discuss it heavily there we'll probably be discussing these games heavily in our discord so come hop in and join in the conversation and as always thank you for following and liking and even listening and supporting us in this venture uh it's something that's a lot of fun for us because it's something that we're passionate about and we thank you for for joining us on the ride but outside of that i think that's that